The True Meaning of Loki's Glorious Purpose. Welcome back to Nerdist News, I'm Dan Casey, and today we're breaking down the Loki Season 2 finale. Titled Glorious Purpose, the sixth and final episode of Season 2 managed to stick the landing in a supremely satisfying way. It tied together over a decade of MCU storytelling, and it gave us an answer to one of Marvel's most burning questions. What is Loki's actual glorious purpose? It's especially poignant considering this episode kind of felt like a series finale. But what does all that mean for Loki, for the MCU, and the multiverse? We're going to break it all down for you in just a moment, but if you prefer to read all about it, our resident Marvel mavens Michael Walsh and Eric Diaz have you covered over on Nerdist. And as you probably guessed, to talk about this in detail, we have to spoil what happens in the Loki Season 2 finale. So if you haven't seen it yet and you're worried about that sort of thing, spaghet out of here already. How long would it take? Decades. Centuries. Okay, let's get into it, shall we? What an episode, folks! I mean, it certainly feels like the end of an era for Loki, as the erstwhile god of mischief has reached his final form. It's the culmination of a character arc that began way back in 2011's Thor. We've seen Loki evolve from jealous adopted son seeking his father's approval, to an arch-villain so devious he necessitated the creation of the Avengers, to a fledgling time cop, and now to a god sitting outside of space and time, keeping the multiverse safe. The heart of Loki's journey has always been his quest, to discover what his glorious purpose actually is. When we first met Loki, he was incredibly insecure, and thanks in no small part to Odin being the worst father this side of Saturn. Yes. Learning that Loki was a mere pawn in Odin's Machiavellian machinations against the Frost Giants of Jotunheim left him with a major chip on his shoulder. So naturally, Loki set his sights on the obvious prize, his dad's throne. But the throne of Asgard was not the one that Loki was destined to sit on, even if he did for a short time while cosplaying as his dear departed father. Oh, Loki's attempts at conquering the Earth by unleashing an alien invasion on New York City were similarly ill-advised. Let me say something. Wasn't tactical. Yeah. The road that He Who Remains claimed to have paved led Loki to a deeply humbling experience. Loki's tenure at the Time Variance Authority was a crucible designed to shatter his preconceived sense of self. The TVA is this labyrinthine bureaucratic hellscape engineered to take Loki's ego and utterly annihilate it. Think back on his experiences there back in Season 1, suffering the indignity of waiting in line like some common normie, standing trial and having his godhood summarily dismissed, being interrogated and shown the worst moments of his life. The list goes on and on. Loki saw himself as someone who was burdened with glorious purpose, so much so that the very first episode of the Loki series was also titled Glorious Purpose. Yet Loki's purpose at the beginning of the series was one rooted in his past, one of a narcissistic sense of destiny, a feeling that he was intended for greatness, and marked by a severe lack of compassion. And it's fitting that the season finale was also titled Glorious Purpose. It's a clever bit of symmetry that speaks to the show's deeper commentary on the nature of cyclical storytelling, myths like the Ouroboros, and elaborate causal loops which constructed so much of the first part of this season. This is Victor Timely. Victor Timely, this is Ouroboros. Guess what? The TVA handbook, you both wrote it. Isn't that amazing? Now, despite what He Who Remains claimed, the series itself wasn't one giant time loop. Rather, it was more of a loop-de-loop, -loop, kind of like a roller coaster with pathways leading into and out of it. And that was only possible because of the ways in which Loki and his glorious purpose evolved over the course of the show. 
Perhaps Loki's biggest evolution this season was one that took place within. Loki stopped seeking that external validation, the attention that he craved as a self-proclaimed narcissist. Instead, he started trying to see the bigger picture and understand what really matters to him, the people he cares about. They were the force that ultimately enabled Loki to gain total mastery over his powers and evolve beyond being a mere god of mischief into the god of stories. Just as in the Loki Agent of Asgard comics, the God of Mischief became keenly aware that he does not have to be a mere player in this story. He can become its author and reshape its narrative. Initially, Loki tried to still operate within the rules of He Who Remains as fiction. He spent literal centuries becoming a master physicist and engineer in what proved to be a fruitless effort to save the temporal loom from destruction. And finally, Loki realizes that as the god of stories, he can change the calculus of how this particular yarn plays out. He can alter the very framework of the multiverse itself. It's an ironic plot twist for He Who Remains, who claims to have planned for every contingency and made it so all roads lead back to him. While the TVA was instrumental in tearing Loki's ego apart, He Who Remains is about as arrogant as anyone in the multiverse could possibly be. But the outcome to this equation, it remains the same. You lose. He's so comfortable and assured in his victory that he can't fathom the idea that Loki would diverge from his predetermined path to exercise that free will which the sacred timeline was meant to keep in check. But what do you do when you have endless time to spare? Do you fall into comfortable routine? Do you allow the calcifying effect of stasis to stymie your development? Or do you keep finding new ways to grow? For Loki, the god of stories doesn't need to hear the same tired old song and dance. He understands what the multiverse truly offers, an infinite amount of stories playing out across all of space and time. And before Loki quite literally demonstrates that growth, we see just how far he's come in his final words to his friends. In his Wrath of Khan moment, Loki tells Sylvie and Mobius that he knows what kind of god he needs to be. For you. For all of us. These are the same words that Loki used way back in the first Thor movie. In a mad attempt to win his father's approval, Loki tried to destroy Jotunheim. Dangling over this infinite abyss, Loki cried out, I could have done it, father, for you, for all of us. When Loki first uttered those words, he was worried only about himself and what that accomplishment would mean for him. That version of Loki was a mere sapling compared to the Loki we see before us now. When Loki says it this time, he's referring to what he could do for everyone else. And Loki channels that personal growth into a profound sense of purpose. He makes the ultimate sacrifice. He destroys the temporal loom and breathes new life into its myriad strands. Rather than weaving them all together into some nightmarish singular entity like He Who Remains did, or letting them rot and die on the vine like an untended garden, Loki harnesses them. He lets the timelines take root within him. Because Loki has become the god of stories, the type of god he was always meant to be. He sits apart, using his energy, his gifts, his powers, to enable everyone else on all of those countless timelines to tell their stories on their own terms. The sacred timeline is gone. It's replaced by a multiversal version of Yggdrasil, the world tree from Norse mythology. While traditionally and in the MCU, Yggdrasil merely linked the nine realms of Norse myth, now it links countless realms, worlds, and timelines all bound together through Loki's benevolence. And this tree bears the sweetest fruit of all, that of free will. Loki wasn't lying when he said the last thing he wants is a throne. 
both He Who Remains and Loki demonstrate what a profoundly lonely existence that really is. But as Loki said in the very first episode of the series, and again in this one, You want to be king. I don't want to be, I was born to be. Loki was born to sit on a throne, and he will make good on his promise to do better than he who remains. Loki doesn't need to play God because he is a god. And fortunately for the denizens of the Marvel multiverse, he's one who believes they deserve a chance to tell their own stories. But heavy is the head that wears the crown, and that's why our final image of Loki is one of unknowable peace tinged with sadness. To save his friends and the ones that he loves, he must stand alone or sit alone outside of space and time for all time always. In season one's The Nexus event, Mobius trapped Loki in a time loop with Lady Sif. It's a humiliating encounter for Loki where he reluctantly admits that he's afraid of being alone. And to that, Sif says, You are alone. And you always will be. And in a sense, she was right. Loki does ultimately have to face his fear, and he winds up alone, for all time, always. But not because he's a selfish, arrogant jerk who pushes people away, rather because he's confident that what he's doing will save the lives of everyone he cares about. And it took a conversation with Loki's dearest friend Mobius to really drive that home. Most purpose is more burden than glory. And trust me, you never want to be the guy who avoids it because you can't live with the burden. Now, this may seem like a bittersweet ending for Loki, and it is. But just as there are countless variants of He Who Remains and Kang still out there, there are also countless Loki variants out there, too. And while this Loki sits alone at the center of space and time, those Lokis get to live their lives, tell their stories, and discover their own glorious purposes. Now, as for what comes next, well, Multiversal War is certainly still on the menu. Loki destroying the sacred timeline and allowing the multiverse to blossom in full means the Time Variance Authority still has their hands full. Case in point, that file on Mobius' desk about the He Who Remains variant in a realm adjacent to Earth-616 was a reference to Kang in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And as for the Council of Cross-Time Kangs and Quantumania's post-credit scenes preparing for full-scale multiversal war, well, that conflict is much like Thanos, inevitable. But in the meantime, Loki will continue to do his damnedest to preserve the multiverse and give his friends a fighting chance against Kangs, Amortises, Ramatuts, and any other variants that might threaten it. More importantly, remember Loki's conversation with Sylvie about living through apocalypses? Sylvie says that she's lived through enough end-of-the-world scenarios to know that sometimes it's okay to destroy something. To which Loki replies, if there's a hope that you can replace that thing with something better. And folks, that's exactly what the MCU's multiverse saga is building towards. Avengers Secret Wars will culminate in the destruction of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as we know it. It's an apocalypse event for what at that point will be nearly two decades of interconnected franchise storytelling. And it's okay to destroy this thing that so many of us love because the people behind it have a hope they can replace it with something better. So, with that in mind, was this a series finale for Loki? Because it sure seems like it, especially in light of Loki Season 2 head writer Eric Martin and his comments to Cinema Blend. In an interview, he said, We approached this as like two halves of a book. Season 1, first half. Season 2, we closed the book on Loki and the TVA. Where it goes beyond that, I don't know. I just wanted to tell a full and complete story across those two seasons. 
And considering the ending we just got and how satisfying that final image of Loki was, I think we can close the book on the God of Stories, at least for now. Or until, you know, like Secret Wars, when we'll probably see Loki brought back out in a role similar to Molecule Man in the comics. Hopefully, though, he won't have to eat a comically old hamburger. Because if he wants one of those, he can just take a trip to Broxton, Oklahoma, circa 1982. Look, why don't we just get this to go? How about that? It, it packs right up. Let's just get it to go when we get up and we get out of here. Anyway, folks, there you have it. That's everything you need to know about the Loki season two finale. We'll have plenty of other deep dives for you on Nerdist in the days ahead. And if you want to explore another part of the MCU, check out our coverage of the Marvels there as well. For now though, tell us, what did you think of this episode? Did you spot anything that we missed? What? Let us know in the comments below. And for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, make sure you stay tuned to Nerdist.com. Thank you.